Great. Church business, huh? How fun is that? <clears throat> Aren't you glad that it's not a business though, right? Yeah. It's, it really is organic. It really is. It's not an, or, an organization. The church is actually an organism. It's a living, breathing thing. <laughs> it has its ebbs and flows like every organism does. It has its ups and downs. It has its white hots and it's got its low lows. The church is awesome. And you know, the church, when we say the word church, the church has been in operation for a long time. We would even say um, back, we can even go as far as back to the Old Testament, but if we just kind of squeeze up here to the New Testament, Jesus was actually a pastor of 12 people, the church. And and the church has been around. It's never going to go away. Listen to me, folks. Listen to me. The church is never going in. It's not going anywhere. Okay? It's alive. It's here. Why do I know that? Because the Bible says your word, okay, the one that you like to read or hopefully like to read. Sweetheart, matter of fact, can I have my Bible real quick? One of those will do. Thank you. Oh, she's so cute. Does this one here say, be nice to my wife? Yep, it does. This is the one. And, um, but your Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Okay. And for a long time, I grew up, um, in a denomination where, and in a church where we used to think that the gates of hell won't prevail, meaning that we were on the defense. Like we were us four no more, close the walls down, like we just no, no no entry, as they would say, as far as like sin goes, as far as people that don't think the same way, excuse me, as, as far as people don't think the same way you do, uh, believe in, in, in the same way you do. We were calling for church unity back in those days, but really what it was, we were calling for church uniformity, and there's a difference between unity and uniformity. And God celebrates diversity, and he loves the, the, the kaleidoscope, if you will, of the people, right? He loves the kaleidoscope of the will. Now, with that said, understand this, that there is also a thing called righteousness that we live by. And righteousness is the right relationship, right living before God. God. So Jesus, God himself does not tolerate sin. Do you hear what I'm saying? <clears throat> Anything that goes against his word, against his word, is called sin. And I think the church sometimes has grown comfortable with this idea of sin because we take a thing like, like gossip and we justify gossip but yet we come against everything else that we are uncomfortable with. But yet we justify this. Listen, when the Bible says that the gates of hell should not prevail against it, it's not talking about us going, keep away, keep away, keep away. It's talking about we're moving, baby. The locomotive is on the train tracks and there ain't no stopping. Right? There's no stop in the church. We are going to influence culture rather than culture influencing the church. That's how it's always been. Hear me. The church has always influenced culture. <laughs> it's always had a place in government. It's always had a place in media, right? It's always had a place in this. But what I feel, what I feel sometimes, what I fear for is that we go, no, 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 keep out, keep out, keep out, keep out, keep out, keep out, and we have no more influence in the culture. It's the reason why there's so much confusion among sexual identity and all this kind of stuff going on right now in our world is because the church, the capital C church, has gone like this rather than going like this. Come on in. We want to introduce you to a new life in Christ so Jesus can be the one to work out the issues in your heart. Yep. 
the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We are on the offense. Come on, somebody. We are on the offense. Now, for those of you who have been here for the last five weeks, and maybe you've come new for the last five weeks, I've been very, very nice about doing marriage ceremony. I just love your spouses, everybody. The reality is this is that if we don't become the church that Jesus is calling us to be, we will not see the next phase for our lives and for this church. It's just not going to happen. Not just this church, but the church. I refuse to allow culture to influence us. I refuse it. And on the flip side of that coin, start your engines Get on the Indianapolis 500, Corey, because he likes NASCAR. Get on the track, rev the engine, let's go. We have to move. We've got to go. We've got to go. So how do we do that? Well, for the next few weeks, I I want to just put out a reminder to you of why we are a church. I'm calling this, it's not really a sermon series, even though I have a title for it. It's It's just a set of messages calling Heart for the House, okay? Heart for the House. And we're gonna be talking about our mission here as a church, okay? And at the end of the month, Pastor Mario is gonna be talking about the gifts of of the church. What do the spiritual gifts mean, all right? Him and I are completely different in the way we deliver the word, okay? He's gonna go get your Bibles and turn to page one and then that comma right there means this and that, that's, that's Pastor Mario, okay? <laughs> I hope, my, my, my hope is that you walk out of here going, let's go people, I'm ready, <laughs> right? Let's go, okay? But I, I want to define very clearly with clarity the, the mission of our church and why we are what we are. Our mission here at our church is host his presence. Someone say that with me. Host his presence, win the lost, and equip the believer. That is our mission. That's why we exist as a body, as a unit. You know, the Bible says this, that, that, that when, the, when there's no vision, the people run, they run without restraint. Right, they, they run, they, the Bible says that they perish, okay? That word perish there simply means to run without restraint, to run, run wild, all right? So without vision, generally speaking, the people run wild, okay? Now, I can equate that without bringing any kind of politics into this mix, okay? But I can equate that to what's going on in our country right now. Right, there's not a great vision, okay? So the people are just, woo, just going after it. It happened throughout the Old Testament. It happened through the New Testament, okay? It happened, so not, none of, nothing what's happening right now is, is any worse. Listen, we're, we're not literally, okay, saying you have to come over here and sacrifice your baby. That's not literally happening, okay? But it is the same spirit, which is the God of Moloch, which is the God of abortion, okay? So that is happening. It's a God that's been reintroduced back into our world has nothing to do about politics. Listen, when I say something has nothing to do about politics, I can give a rip about politics. I don't, I have to say this really carefully because it's been prophesied over me over the last three months, two times by two different people that I will be in some way, shape or form involved in politics. So I have to be very careful, but I don't trust politicians, man. <laughs> Right? Say what you want to say, do what you want to say. Most of the time it's this, and most of the time it's this. I think that the Lord can redeem politics. I believe that. I actually believe that. That we stand on righteousness rather than our feelings, because that's what's happening a lot of the times. 
This has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with righteousness and sin. It has everything to do with right relationship with God, what the word of God says, standing on what this says, more than standing on what, how I feel. How I feel. It's nothing to do with that. So when I say something about like, when you hear the big A word, abortion, everyone goes, hmm. What are you doing? You can't. No, listen, I want you to know here this morning, very clear from my mouth that abortion is wrong. Now, hear me. If you've had one, we love you. If you're in that mix right now, I want you to know there's a better way. See, what the church has done is we've been, in general, we've been painted with the brush of people who hold picket signs. Grab your torches, folks, and your picket signs. We're going downtown. We're saying, do, 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 do. You know, that does, that, does, that does nothing, okay? It just makes us believers who are actually trying to love people, okay, and love them to the king. Why do I say that? Why do I say that? It's because the Bible says, okay, that it's his kindness that leads to, his, to repentance, okay? It's his love that brings forgiveness. That's what your word says, doesn't mean that we can't have a standard. We need to have standards. Listen, we need to have some lines in the sand that don't get crossed. I've already been, been, been put on two hate lists already. Praise the Lord, I made the cut. One that I know about, one that I hope I get on. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with grab your pitchforks and that. It means everything about, listen, let me introduce you to a Jesus who can give you a new life. Let me introduce you to the Christ, the anointed one who loves you beyond measure, who can take your life and clear up confusion, clear up ideas, clear up thoughts, clear those things up and make you a brand new person. Because the Bible says this, your word says this, when you come to Jesus, behold, you are brand new. Three slaps in affirmation. Mm -mm -mm. You were no longer the old person that you were. You were brand new. So that addicted lifestyle you once had is not your identity anymore. That sexual confusion is not your identity anymore. That's not who you are. You are set free. You are brand new in Christ. And Jesus just wants to show you who you really are. Who he really created you to be. Yo, that was for free, everyone. That's not even in my notes. I hope you ate that. <laughs> Host. What does the word host mean? Well, in your Webster's Dictionary, it says, a person who receives or entertains guests socially, commercially, or officially. I like this one. A living organism on or in which a parasite lives. <laughs> I like this one too. The definition of host is a great number. Great number. My mom, I love my mom. She's really great at hosting people. Anytime someone would come over, I remember one time we had a, we had a missionary come over from Africa and um, he was like somebody who was from Africa, not like we sent over to Africa, okay? Was from Africa coming over here to do missions to America. Pretty cool, right? If I were to read you some stats, 
you would go, no way, but America is actually the most missionaryized, that's even a word, okay? Out of all, we used to be the great sender, now we're the great receiver of missionaries. I still think USA is the best country in the world. Hoorah. Mike, wherever he is, you know what I'm talking about. Hoorah. Okay, calm down over there, everybody. <laughs> calm down. <laughs> so my mom would host us. I remember that one time sitting at the table, and, and uh, she went and got Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> And, and mashed potatoes and all the business. But you know, instead of eating like paper plates, X, Y, Z, whenever you host somebody, you bring out the best, right? So she like opened the China cabinet. Does anybody of your parents have a China cabinet still, right? Open the China cabinet, like this. They brought out the China. Cause you know, you never use China where ever. I think we still like, when we got married, we have boxes still in our garage of China. Right? And I asked Christian, what is this? She's like, that's what we got that when we were married. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Still with tape on it, that old crusty white, you know, tape. And it's all there. I haven't opened it. Right? Thank you to everyone who got that for us. I appreciate it. We love you so much. Right? So anyway. <laughs> so she'd bring out this. And here we are eating Kentucky Fried Chicken off of China. There was a, an evangelist when he was 19. His name was Chris Clock. Lives in Dallas, Texas. Still a good family friend of ours. My brother and I used to make, not make fun of him, but sing his name. We would say, Chris Clock will make you a jump, jump. Daddy Mac will make you a jump, jump. Nobody knows what I'm talking about or that it wasn't funny. Okay, maybe it just wasn't funny. Okay, rewind. <laughs> So my mom, this, this gentleman, Chris, he, he went to the church, preached at the church, pastor gets up and goes, who, who, would, who would host Chris Clock for a night here just to spend the night while he gets on his travels? My mom, yeah, me, you know, out comes the China, you know, with the red enchiladas and all the goodies you eat in New Mexico. That's where I grew up, by the way. And, and now he's 62 years old, 63 years old. Still stays at my mom's house every time he comes through. My mom has been hosting Chris Clock from he was 19 all the way to 63, right? Pretty cool, right? Pretty awesome. See, when you host, when you host something, there's a few questions you have to answer. Like, do you want that person there? Because if you don't want that person there, you're not going to host them. What do they say? Uh, uh, guests at your house and fish are the same after three days they stink, right? So... So, so when you host somebody, you actually want them to be there, okay? You, 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 and then you bring out your best, right? You say, here's everything that I have. This is the best that I have, right, for you, right? And your best might look different than someone else's best, but that person sitting there doesn't care about that because all they care about is, hey, I feel welcome. I feel welcome here. And it's no different, it's no different with church and with our body right here at River of Life Church. Our desire is to host the presence of God, is to host Jesus, right? Let me encourage you this morning that we have nothing if we don't host the presence of Jesus. 
We have nothing. We've reduced church to just coming and learning and hearing a guy preach, right? Hearing, hearing, hearing some good songs for worship and then going home and never having any transformation in our lives. And if that's, if that's all this is, is just to learn how to be good people, then we missed it. We missed it. I encourage you that where his presence is, there is always transformation, interaction, pressing in, and conviction. Where his presence is, you will have those kinds of things. This morning, I sense the presence of God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, we're singing Yeshua, which you're like, what is that? I think that's a Hebrew word for Jesus. I get Hebrew and Greek mixed up all the time. So it's a Hebrew word for Jesus, right? And we were just singing the simple name of Jesus, right? And I got the EBGBs, chicken skin, we call it. My hair stood up and I went, oh, someone's in the room. You, you know what I'm talking about? Or maybe, maybe there's an awareness of something shifted or something took place, something happened. See, and, 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 and I would just by, just, by, just by knowing church culture, right? There's some people here who went, yeah, I felt that too. And there's some people who went there and went, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I'm just here just to listen to a good message and then go home and, and then try to be a good person. Look, where we host the presence of Jesus, there is always transformation. There's always transformation in your life. What a preacher or a pastor does is try to convince someone through his words. But the presence of Jesus can do the convincing for you in a moment. In a moment. So my question to you is, where's your submission level to God? Because if we truly want to go deeper, if we truly see ourselves moving into a relationship with him, then you'll begin to give yourself over to him more and more and more and more. Your ideas, your thoughts, your feelings, the way that you want your agendas, all that kind of stuff become less in your life. And the presence of God becomes top priority. It becomes the umbrella over your life, right? Again, if we don't have Jesus, all we have is a really good TED Talk. If you know what TED Talks are. If you don't, you can look it up yourself. That's all we have. See, I'm not interested in just giving you a good, good hoorah speech. I'm interested in the presence of Jesus. I'm interested in him. Did he show up today? Were you open to what he wanted? Did you come in here with the expectation of meeting Jesus? Did I come in here with the expectation of meeting Jesus? Or did I come in here, punch a clock so I can go home? What did I do? What did Jacob Wallace, Pastor Jake, what did he do today? I'm just going to talk about myself, not you. And maybe you fall into this category because it's too easy for us to go, check, did that today. Now what? Without leaving in some way, shape, or form feeling a little closer, a little transformed, encouraged, or something like that where God met you in this house. In the presence of Jesus, you can find the revelation of the Spirit of God. Through, let me rephrase this. When you look at your word, woven throughout scripture, you can see God's presence looking for a place to rest, looking for a place to be hosted. Okay, so let's go real quick. Okay, I've got three quick points. 
Let's look to Genesis chapter one, verses one through three. You got your Bibles? If you don't know where Genesis is, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. It's the first book of the Bible, okay? Genesis, I wonder where chapter one is. Oh, it's the first one, okay? It's okay. You can never assume that people know, okay? Honestly, Genesis chapter one, verses one through three. And this is what it said. Maybe you don't have your Bible. I encourage you to bring your papal Bible. Sniff that Bible. Yes, this is real. Okay. Genesis chapter one, verses one through three. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving. Another translation will say hovering. Another translation will be saying, going to and fro, okay? And the Spirit of God was hovering or moving over the surface of the waters. Now, why was the Spirit of God hovering over the waters? Why was it moving? Why was it, why was it, why was it going to and fro? Because the Spirit of God didn't have a place to rest. So it was going like this. Now remember, the earth hadn't been created yet. Okay, and let me just say this real quick for all of us Bible scholars, that there's, there's, no, there's no God spoken. Then we are kind of created. No, God said, light, boom, light. We believe in a full creation biblical view here. And yes, we believe that it happened in six and on the seventh he rested. It wasn't like, well, a day is like a thousand and a thousand is like a day. No, it's this, this. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. Okay. I know we can get into technicals and all that kind of stuff. But when it's all said and done, he is the creator. Amen. So here's the spirit of God. It's hovering over the earth. I want you to imagine this with your mind. There's darkness all over the world. There's no, there's nothing there. Okay. It was without void. Except heaven, God himself is looking down, watching the spirit of God, which is part of the triune body, right? Father, God, Father, Son, Father, Holy Spirit. So God himself is going like this, looking for a place. Then God, the father spoke and he said, let there be light. Boom. Light was created. I believe that when God said, let there be light, the spirit of God rested on the word. Boom, and then the collision happened. <laughs> I'm not talking about the other thing. I'm talking about God said, let there be light. And the spirit of God went, there's the word, rest on that word. Rest on the word. The father today wants to change your life. He wants to change your life. And in one word, in his presence as we host him, in one word, he can change your life right now. Amen. It only took one word to bring light to this world, to this dark void. And in one word, he can bring transformation to your life. Why? Because us as a church have a mission here, and that's to be a resting place for the Spirit of God. For the Spirit of God. The vehicle of his word caused creation. His word plus his spirit equals transformation and new creation. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I just, I want to go through a process that's, that's really great. I'm, I'm, I'm all for processes. I'm all, you know, sometimes, sometimes though, when, when you go through a process, sometimes it's baloney. 
That's how baloney gets processed, by the way. Right? If that's how it is, baloney, it goes through a process. Okay, I'm not saying those are bad, but what I'm saying is this, is don't leave out the word of God over your life. Don't leave out the spirit of God who's hovering right now around your life. He's looking for a place to rest right now in your temple, in your life right now. And all he's saying is agree with what the word of God is saying over your life and I'll come in and make a new creation out of you. Yay, Jesus. So we have the spirit of God resting on the word. We have the spirit of God that rested on Jesus. So let's fast forward all the way to the New Testament in Matthew chapter three, verses 13 through 17. Okay? Let me hear those pages turn. I just got done doing a class on the poetic books, which include the book of Psalms. And it's so interesting how they came up with those songs. (laughs) They're just like sitting around going, let me see those pages turn. Write it in there. It's cool. Book of Psalms 104, right? There it is. It's in there. Great. Yeah, we got it. So Matthew chapter three, verses 13 through 17 says this. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized in him, by him. But John tried to prevent him. Now, I just use the, the imagination in your mind here a little bit and kind of picture this out. <clears throat> John to be baptized, but John tried to prevent him, right? Saying to Jesus, <laughs> I have need to be baptized by you. And you don't, and, 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 and do you come to me? Verse 15, but Jesus answering said to him, permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill our righteousness. Then he permitted him. Verse 16, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Oh man, this is so good. And behold, the heavens were opened. That word open right there is the word rent, which simply means the the heavens tore open. It was a violent tear in heaven. That's what that word means. It wasn't something that was allegorical. It was something literal that happened. People around in that place heard heaven split open. I cleared the throat. (laughs) Right? And they saw the heavens open. And then Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending or resting as a dove landing on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven, oh, this is so good, said, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. So here's Jesus fulfilling the word. He had to be baptized because that's what was prophesied about the Messiah. Fulfilled the word, heavens tore open. The spirit of God came and found his resting place upon his shoulder. Now, this is a whole different message, but if you had a dove on your shoulder, very quickly, let me illustrate this. For those of you who have never heard this before, if you have a dove on your shoulder and you cared about that dove and it was on your shoulder like so, how would you treat that dove? How would you walk? Well, you would walk gently. Why? Because anything can scurry a dove away like this, right? Anything, any, any movement in the wrong direction or any quick movement like this makes the dove go away. So what do you do? You walk, Jesus walked with the dove in mind. He walked with the dove in mind. He walked with the resting place of the presence of the Father of heaven upon his life. But what's really interesting about this, 
story is that right after Jesus was baptized in water and the dove came and rested on him, the Bible says later on in that story that it's the same spirit that was resting on him led him to the wilderness to be tempted. That's amazing to me. Because you would think, oh man, then he did all of his miracles. No, listen, Jesus' miracle ministry didn't happen until he got out of the wilderness. So here's Jesus. He had this amazing encounter. The Spirit of God came upon him, and then he's led by that same Spirit that rested upon him and led him to the wilderness. Let me encourage you with this word. If you try to do life without the presence and the Spirit of God upon your life, you will end up in defeat. Jesus, if he did not have the dove in mind and be led to, if he went, no, I'm not going to the wilderness. I don't think that we read the stories about Jesus in the Bible if he didn't go through what he had to go through. I don't think we have this Jesus now that we serve. Why? Because Jesus not only was anointed by God, right, to be the son of God, to be that, but Jesus didn't go in, go into the wilderness as God. He went in as man with the dove in mind, with the spirit of God resting on him. He went in as man and he faced those temptations as man. Why? Because when he went to the cross, he took those temptations with him. Because there's no temptation given among men whereby you must be slave to. None. Why? Because he took care of it on the cross for us. So interesting. With his presence, with his presence, all things are possible. All things are possible. And so many people want to do with the Holy Spirit in today's world, in today's church culture, church view. First of all, let me just say this. We'll never do it with the Spirit of God. You may not like it. That's okay. You can find another church to go to, honestly. I love you. That much to tell you that, that the Spirit of God, is, the, is the, the presence of Jesus is the most important thing for your life. Amen. Outside of salvation, look, if you, don't, if you don't know Jesus here personally, you need to, get, you need, you need to know Jesus today, right? He can change your life in an instant. But the Spirit of God, the presence of God, I know it's hard sometimes to understand, well, why do you speak in those funny languages? Why does that, we're gonna get to that here in just a second, right? But why do you do this? So why do you do that? What? Look, look, it's hard to understand. That's why churches get away from it, okay? But let me just encourage you this morning, without the presence and the Spirit of God resting upon your life, your struggle over addiction, over looking at the computer, things you should not be looking at, over thinking about another person, even though you're married, being discontent with your job and always feeling that you're left out. Those, those things, those, those real world things, right? You will continue to struggle with those until the Holy Spirit comes upon your life and you begin to live and be led by the dove over your life. You, my friend, are a resting place of the presence of Jesus. You, you, right here, you are a resting place. You can try to do it, but... You're not going to get very far. And just like when Jesus was tempted, I believe he would have fallen. But he endured those temptations because he was a resting place for the Spirit of God, for the presence of Jesus over his life. Let me say this. I'm going to get to my last point. You can play some music because they're super soft, okay? I just said that really fast. I hope you understood me. We need to host his presence for victorious living. You want to live victoriously? Be a hosting place for his spirit.
for his presence. The last one is this, and then I'm done. The spirit rested on his people. The presence of Jesus rested on his people. I'm talking about why we host the presence of God. Why we host the presence of God. Acts chapter two, verses one through four says this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent and rushing wind. I, I like watching The Chosen. Have you guys ever seen that TV series before? I like watching The Chosen. I hope they make this part. This would be so sweet if they continued on and they called it The Chosen Acts or whatever, I don't know, right? Verse two, and suddenly they came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. I'm not gonna focus on that whole part, but I am gonna focus on this. One main, one main purpose of resting, of the resting of the Holy Spirit in your life today is to do the work of the ministry because it was after that incident happened that Peter stood up and they were empowered. They were empowered with the presence. See, they had Jesus. They were empowered by Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, I gotta go away. I'm limited by what I can do in my physical body. You guys tracking with me? He says, I have to go away. I've gotta go to heaven. I've gotta go to the Father. But I will give you my spirit who will be with you always to the very end of the age. I will empower you to do the work of the ministry that you're doing here now. You necessarily won't have me in physical form, but you'll have me in spirit. And on that day, they were empowered, not just by word, not just by the trial and the temptations in their life, but by the presence of God to do ministry, to do the work of the ministry. That day, Peter stood up and the ministry of the apostles became alive. And let me just tell you, it never stopped. It never ended. The ministry that the apostles did on that day is the same ministry you and I can be a part of today. Why? Because it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That's what the Bible says. So that day, over 3,000 people believed, and then the thing called the church, the house, the heart of the house, it kicked off. The church, listen to this, hear this. The church that we now sit in and stand in today for worship is a direct result because of Peter and the apostles being a resting place of the hosts of the presence of God. You and I are here because they happened to be there on the upper room on that day. And the presence of Jesus came in and rested upon them and the tongues of fire showed up in that incident. You can look throughout scripture. There's a lot of times when that didn't happen. There's a lot of times that it did, okay? The reality is it doesn't matter what happens as a result is do you want to be a resting place for the presence of Jesus? That's the question that you have to answer. One of my heroes in the faith, Pastor Bill Johnson says this in a book. Somewhere in church history, the focus of our corporate gatherings became the sermon. Israel camped around the tabernacle of Moses, which housed the Ark of the Covenant. This was the absolute center of life for the nation. It was practical for them. Israel camped around the presence of God while the church often camps around a sermon. Somehow, we must adjust whatever is necessary to rediscover the practical nature of the presence of God being central to all we do and who we are. So what's this look like in a church? Number one, worship is central. Pastor, why do you spend so much time in worship? 
because worship is central to hosting the presence of God. Why? You always become what you worship. You become like what you worship. I don't know about you, but I wanna be like Jesus. I wanna be like Jesus. So it's the reason why I say, come on, let's just raise our hands to him. Not because it makes me feel better, because I'm trying to encourage you to look to him so you can be like him. So hosting the presence in the church, worship is central. Discipleship is purpose-driven. It's not an end to itself. Bible study is not just studying the Bible. It's about an equipping to live. James 1.22 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. <laughs> Lastly, it's this. Revelation, what does hosting his presence look like in the church? Revelation, transformation, and advancement of the kingdom of God flows out of the connection with him. And as we close, I want you to consider something. Consider the difference between living for God and living from him. Consider the difference between living for God and living from God, living from the place of his presence rather than trying to live for him. When we live from a place, we will walk according to the word, to the scripture. But if we're constantly always trying to live for him, we'll always find ourselves struggling and struggling. And you might find your identity in that, but I want you to know that that struggle of living for God is not who God created you to be, okay? It's not who, you, who God created you to be. He created you to live from a place of victory, from a place of peace, from a place of love, from a place of grace, from a place of power, from a place of authority. That's who Jesus died for on the cross and gave access to you for that. So let's stand. Let's pray. Last verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It's our theme verse for our church. It's not on the screen, but here's what it says. Matthew chapter six, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. This is our theme verse for our church. Seek first the kingdom of God, the king's dominion, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right relationship with him and all of these things shall be added unto you. So Father, we just thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And I ask here today, Jesus, if there's anybody here, Lord, that does not know who you are, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if you don't know who Jesus is this morning, you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I want to know him today. I want to give my life to him. If that's you, can you just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down? Say, I want to submit my life to him. I want to commit myself to him. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down. If that's you. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're all family. We're all going to heaven. Hallelujah. Man, he loves you with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. Keep your heads bowed now. Let's Pastor Steve. Just a minute. We're going to dismiss, but we want to give you an opportunity if you need prayer for something to come up and have someone stand with you. And so if the prayer team members would come, Come up to the front right now and be ready for those who want someone to stand with them in faith. I'm going to dismiss in just a minute. I'm going to pray a blessing over the food so that you can move down the hall and enjoy fellowship with each other. What a good word today. 
probably nobody in here is hungry. We're all full, right? Praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your transforming power that can be delivered to our hearts and our lives so that change can come about. Change moving to be transformed into your image from glory to glory to glory. Thank you for that. We say yes to that, Lord. Lord, I speak a blessing over the food that we're about to eat. Thank you for the hands that prepared it. Thank you for the strength that it will give it, give us. And Lord, I thank you for the fellowship opportunity that we have this afternoon. Lord, we bless you. And Lord, I bless those who have come today as they go forward out into the world to represent you to a lost world. I thank you for all that you've done for us and all you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can go, but if you need prayer, come on up this way. Going, If you're leaving uh, the hallways that way and down to the fellowship area. Praise God. Or you can go through that door if you want.